So what He wants to do this morning is He wants us to not just acknowledge that. Because acknowledgement is only a single step. But see, it requires the faith to believe in His promises. The faith to believe that what He has said is absolute truth. The song we're going to do is He's Alive. (laughs) Yeah. But there's a reason for that. Because see, if you believe His promises are true, and you believe what the Gospels say when He said that more will even happen after He ascends into heaven, then you have to believe that He is alive and He sits at the right hand of the Father and He inhabits His praise even as we lift Him up. You know, this song that the praise team wrote just a week before creation, right? Something like that, a couple weeks before creation. Ish. (laughs) See, these words were given for a reason, not just because it's a cool tune, not just because of anything else, but the very words resonate truth. And Carson, we love you, we miss you, we know that you will be here, and I hope this encourages you, brother, because we love you very much.
love, mercy, and truth, God. We love you. And we declare, you are alive. You are alive, God. We love you, God. It was not over. It was not over on the cross. It was not over on the cross. It was over when you conquered death and rose from the grave and are now seated at the right hand of the Father. And we thank you, God. We thank you that even when it looks black and gray and dim, God, you are always victorious. We love you, God. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You'll be speaking into the microphone. Amen. Well, I know we don't have the the sound equipment for that to really come across online that well. I know it was uh, probably blurry and everything else, but I know Carson, you also know the song, and, and I know it was encouraging. Hey, what the Lord has this morning is just very simple. It's really simple. He gave me a passage, when he first gave me the passage, I didn't really understand like what twist he may want to do with this passage until during worship. And but I want to give you a thought first and then we have a video I'm going to play. It's it's actually a long video about 10 minutes, but but it's it's a a very powerful video especially for what the Lord wants you to get this morning. And the question is this. When faced with an opportunity to believe something that is unbelievable, will you really do it? I want you to think about that question for a minute because our gut reaction is, of course. Right? Our gut reaction is, yeah, if if I saw a miracle right in front of me, I would believe it. But yet we can look historically throughout history, but even in the Word of God, where they did not. In fact, Jesus did things right in front of the Pharisees and they didn't believe it. That, that, it, that, that's astounding to me. So, so we so easily will say yes, but I want you to search your heart of hearts this morning. If you saw a miracle that didn't make sense in the real world, and you knew it was of God, would you believe it? Or would you somehow pass it off as a gimmick. And see, the tough thing is there are gimmicks out there. That's the tough thing. There are gimmicks. But see, that's where our relationship with the Lord gives us confirmation of what He is doing and how He moves. 
That's why in the readying of the bride, it's not about more knowledge of his word. I mean, think about it. Who had the most knowledge of all? Pharisees. They knew the word. They had the knowledge of when he was going to even come. They had the knowledge that that he was going to bring his kingdom. Yet they didn't understand what that meant. That's why they turned against him. That's why they, they hung him on a cross. So see, to truly understand, to truly believe, to truly have the bride become ready to receive the bridegroom in Jesus, it can only come from a personal place. It can only come from a a place of relationship where I can see something that's a miracle. I can choose to believe it or not. But because of my relationship with Jesus, I can receive confirmation from Him that it's Him. And not a gimmick. And when you think about it, that's... Wow. I mean... What a capability of proof. See, you don't have to prove anything to anybody else. You've got to prove it to yourself. And if you're just going on blind faith, without that personal relationship with the Lord, then you've got to understand there's no substance to that faith. Just to say yes and jump off a cliff because you want to say I have faith and you haven't had any substance to that faith because the Lord was the one who proved to you he told you to do that, then guess what? But pray you had a parachute. Because faith is only real faith when it's accompanied with relationship of that faith. And, and I'll tell you, he, he puts some tough things in our way. Tough things to believe. I know over the last four years, five years, he's put things in my pathway that he wanted to prove to me that if I did not have that relationship with him or I did not build that relationship with him, it would have been very difficult to believe. And that's things that were happening right in front of me let alone the things that He has promised. You know, if I were to say to you that something is about to happen, that even with having a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's going to be difficult to believe. How would that make you feel? The reason I ask that question is because that's the very thing that's about to happen. The very thing that God wants to use to propel something so incredible. But see, He's got to have us in a place where We're not relying on our own intellect. We're not relying on our own ability 
to think the truth of something out. See, it can't come from here. It's got to come from here. Because see, God doesn't direct this. You do. God directs this if you let him. And then from here, you direct this. You see? And then this directs all this. Right? It's, it's a chain event. But it starts right here. This, this video that we're going to play, this was uh, a friend. I mean, I, I can say he's a friend of mine now. I've, I've actually not met him in person. I've met him over the phone, and, and we text back and forth. But this is a friend of Jeff's. His name's Peter. He's down in Georgia, and he is, without physically being here, he is Ignition. <laughs> and what God's doing in, in his life. He's not part of a church like this. He's just like this in a church. They all think he's just kind of freaky. But what's funny is when anybody needs prayer, they you need to go talk to Peter. <laughs> Have Peter pray for you, because I don't know why, but things happen with him. Right? Well, he sent this video, and this is something that's going on in Georgia right now. There are actually two things going on in Georgia right now. And he lives, I believe, in Atlanta, but... But the, the one thing, he's a, he's a few blocks away from this church that has been undergoing revival since the beginning of the year. Extraordinary. It's, it's a small church, but they've had, I believe, 600, 600 salvations and baptisms in the last few months. Okay, and this, this is a small church. And, and I won't get into that, because that's not what the video is about, but, but about 45 minutes from where Peter lives, there's this phenomenon that he sent Jeff and I a video of, and that's what I'm going to play, but it is a Bible that leaks oil. Gimmick? Or real? I'll, I'll let you decide. But what I want to encourage you is in that relationship you, you have with the Lord, ask Him. Because if you do, you're going to come up with the same answer. But let's go ahead and play that video. David here uh, for the Supernatural Channel. We're in Dalton, Georgia, a little town uh, in North Georgia. And why am I here? Because I heard about this amazing event about a Bible that leaks oil. In other words, it's a guy's Bible, and about a year and a half ago, he woke up and saw it pouring oil. And this Bible has been giving out gallons and gallons of oil the past uh, year and a half. So I've come to this Christian bookstore here in Dalton, Georgia, to see this Bible. I don't know anyone here. I don't know the people. I don't know the guy who has the Bible. I don't know anyone, but I'm going to just ask God to open up doors as I walk in here and see if I can interview him and find out what's going on with this Bible. Is it really from God, or is it not? Stay with me. Okay, so this Bible leaks oil. What do you... What do you do with the oil? When the oil comes out, what, what is it used for? It's used, it, 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 um, it fills up 
Jerry takes it out, puts it in the gallon jugs during the week. On Monday night, we come in, people come in, and we put it in small vials. Uh, and we take those vials to the churches with us. We give them away to the people that are there. Okay, that's great. But what does the oil do? What do people do? They get the, the vial of oil. What do they do with it? And what... What good does it do? What's the purpose? Well, it's just like the scripture in James, the fifth chapter, where it says, Those that are sick, call for the elders of the church. They'll bring the oil, they'll anoint you into prayer of faith to save the sick, and we just use it for anointing oil. So, Jerry, this um, this is your Bible, yes, right? What? Tell me, what? how did this come about? Tell me the first moment you saw the Bible leaking oil, where were you? What happened? Well, I, I was at home when it first started on the 27th day of January of last year, of 17. Okay. And uh, it started in Psalms 39 the, is where it started. The, the, the leaking of the oil came out of the scripture, Psalms 139? No, 39. Psalms 39. Yes. And there was places on every page up to chapter 63. Three months ago, I was praying, and the Lord spoke up and says, 39. And I, and I said, what, Lord? And he says, 39. And he says, 39 represents the 39 stripes I took for healing. So let me ask you, the Bible started leaking oil. What was the first sign of the Bible leaking oil? I mean, you looked at it, was there a drop or what? Uh, no, the first sign was... I had had my great-grandbaby came to the house on Friday. I thought she had spilled something in it because the pages had spots it was wet. Okay. And she did. I mean, she had nothing to drink that day. Okay. So we just got, wife and I just got to investigate it. We, uh, you know, we reached over, we touched it, we smelled it, we tasted it. Right. To verify it was oil. It was oil. Yeah. Okay. How many inches of oil does he have? He's probably right now an inch. About an inch? Yeah. About an inch. Wow. That's, and it's been up to how high? How high has it been? Ran over twice. I'll show you. Over 17 years I've owned it. I've got more. Highlight different scriptures. Been in the oil. It's been in the oil like 17 months to 18, right at 18. And the highlights are still just as perfect as they were. Wow. And that has not even been faded. Look at that. No, everything is still intact. Wow. The binder is still as tight as it was. Because oil should damage something over a period of time, shouldn't it? Unless it's from God and anointed. You got that right. You got that right. Why do you believe God? Uh, has allowed oil to come from the Bible. Let me start by saying this. About a year ago, a friend of ours had it analyzed. He's a, uh, a, a chemist. He's a chemical engineer, been a chemist for 30 years, and he told us, he said, I didn't do this to try to disprove it. I did this because of the curiosity of the chemist in me. So he had it analyzed, sent us the analysis, and the analysis was, and, we, and people have had it analyzed two other times since, and not us, just people that do it. But each time the report has come back that it had some of the characteristics of mineral oil because of the way it feels. Okay. 
but they said the chemical makeup of the oil, we don't know what it is. They said the only thing we do know is it's not manufactured by any man. And the best explanation we can come up with is that it's unexplainable. Wow. Now, when you ask me the question, why do I believe the Lord gave us the oil? Well, we've been asked that question for 18 months and never had an answer. Okay. About three weeks ago, we were getting ready to go to a service on a Sunday night, and the Lord spoke, and he said, do you want to know why I sent you the oil? And, of course, he said, yes. And he said three things. He said, this oil, this Bible flowing oil, he said, man can only represent, but I'll manifest. And he said, this Bible... Flowing oil is a manifestation of everything that you think is impossible. And he said, it's a manifestation of everything that you don't believe. Wow. So what he says is, I'm showing you that nothing's impossible. Nothing is unbelievable. And what I'm doing has come from that supernatural realm. And if, and if you can believe that I'm doing this, he said, then everything that you've given up on, everything that you thought I wouldn't do and couldn't do, he said, it's sitting before your eyes. So when you think that something's impossible, well, what you think's impossible is sitting on a table in the tub, and it's been flowing oil for 18 months. Amazing. That's amazing. Because, look, it's one thing to put oil on and believe that the oil is anointed and it's going to heal you, right? Right. However, if we believe that, why would we not believe that oil could come from a bottle? Right. Or oil could come from anything if God ordains it, right? God ordains it. Just what you said. God says, look, I'm looking for believers in these end times. And folks, we are in the end times. This is a sign of the times that we're in. I believe God's calling out to people. People, listen to me in this day and time. Not, you're not going to only see this miracle. Because he major, 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 major miracles. Jerry says something every time he gets up to tell the story. Jerry, Jerry says this every time. He says, we can't explain it, but it's undeniable because it's in your face. And so what I've told him and what we've said is this, this Bible that's producing oil, you can't explain it, but it's undeniable. It's a, yeah. But whenever you use it and you pray for somebody who God does something that you think is impossible, you take that same principle and you put it on that disease or that uh, uh, addiction or whatever and he delivers you and you look at that person that's delivered and healed or raised from the dead and you can say it's unexplainable but it's undeniable because it's in your face. Because didn't Jesus say to the woman of the, the issue of blood, your faith yes. has made you whole. And look at the belief she had. Right. She had. She saw from a distance, out of money, out of hope, doctors had sent her home I, probably uh, hopeless. Right. And she saw Jesus, the man from Nazareth. She said, if I can get through that crowd and if I can touch his robe, if I can touch his robe, I will be healed. She And she felt, he felt the the energy going out of him into her, and he said to her, your faith has made you whole. It, it, it's in a humble carrying case here. It's like something you buy at Walmart. There's nothing, there's a tractor supply. Tractor supply. I mean, you would think that it would be in some prestigious glass case or something, but it's not. It's very humble. We don't, we don't show it. Here's my last uh, point I'd like to make, or my last question. Someone takes the oil from the Bible, they put it on themselves. In order for this oil to work, 
do they need to believe it's going to work, or is it powerful enough it can just work without their belief? No. What the Lord has told us, He said, it's 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 it 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 is about the oil, but it's not about the oil. He said, all all the Lord's wanting us to do is believe that that's Him doing that. Okay. You got skeptics, you got unbelievers. He said, all I want you to do is to believe that that's me doing it. And if you believe that's me doing it, I'll heal you. That's I'll right. So, so it's really about strengthening our belief system. That's what it is. In the supernatural. Right. You know, and so many people think of supernatural as aliens, and, you know, we've hijacked that. God is supernatural. He is supernatural. He's the ultimate supernatural because he's not natural. He doesn't right. live in the natural world. Right. So, Johnny, thank you so much. God bless thank you. you. Thank you, Jerry, and God bless you. And I want to thank you guys here at the Supernatural Channel. Thanks for tuning in. Now, there's three kinds of people as we close with God's light in my heart. The first kind of person is the person that doesn't know the Lord at all, and they're looking at this from a distance going, oh, man, there's a bunch of people selling stuff. You know, these are crazy people. You know, that's the one. Number two is the religious people. That's the people that go to church, they put God in a box, they think they can do their hour of sermon every Sunday morning, they can have their prayer, and then they go home, eat fried chicken, and everything. God's happy with that. Okay, supernatural doesn't quite exist anymore. And then there's the third person, and that's who I think I'm talking to. I hope I'm talking to all three, but, but you're the person that you believe in the supernatural, you believe in God's miracles, and I'm sharing this with you, and this is why I'm doing it, because my purpose is not to show you what man's doing, not to show you sensationalism. I want to show you what God's doing. All right, guys, so we just left the, um, the uh, Christian bookstore, and I got to tell you, I, I don't know what to say, except I really believe God is in this. I believe God's hand is on it. It's the Bible that I don't have the right word. I, I don't even want to say leak's oil. Leak is not, it's not an appropriate word for what God is doing. God is manifesting himself in these last days. People, we as Christians, as true believers, we've got to understand that God is looking. He's looking for those who will believe, those who will step out of the box. Those who will see his manifestations in these last days. Those that will stop playing church. Those that will understand that in these last days there will be miracles, but it will also be Satan counterfeiting God's miracles. And we must be able to discern the Bible, the Bible that gives God's anointing right here in Dalton, Georgia. I'm David Heavener for the Supernatural Channel. God bless you. Pretty interesting. You know, again, your reaction to that... Everybody hear me okay? Your reaction to that... is really based upon the paradigms that you've built in your heart and in your mind. Because five years ago, I would have looked at something like that and I would have said, where's the angle? Where's the angle that they're making money? Where's the angle of this and drawing people there and what have you? Because you see that a lot, right? Right? 
And, and, and sadly enough, you see these things that perhaps were even supernatural, but then enshrined, and it becomes about that object or that situation. And I loved what he said. He said, it's not about the oil. Right? It's, it, it's literally God trying to tell you, hey, I'm alive and I'm manifesting. My favorite part was at the end where he just said, Jesus is manifesting himself. The extraordinary thing, though, is that as you build a relationship with Jesus Christ and you seek truth in what he is doing, he will always give you confirmations. He may require a step of faith, but he'll always give you confirmations. And the thing I find difficult sometimes is, is when I feel he's applying this to me or to ignition somehow. You know, in different things that happen. And, you know, something happened in Timbuktu on the other side of the world. Oh, and I get this feeling, Lord, that's for us. I remember the first time Bren had sent me Lana. That's, that's how I felt. I, I said, Lord, this, you, you have given this prophetic word from her halfway around the world specifically for us, for, for this small group of people here. God, why couldn't she live closer? <laughs> but I, I remember thinking that, and then, and then the logical side of my brain then kicks in and says, well, no, it's, it's really for you know millions of people. You're just able to apply it to you. And, and that's kind of, okay, yeah, but that's different than what you're saying in my heart. And, and, and I go through this, and I'm asking for confirmations. And, and sure enough, over time, I start reading things from Lana that, that I knew were only going on with us. They weren't going on with anybody else. I knew that because the Lord had told me that long before Lana even said anything about it. And so see, God gives confirmations. Well, when, when I first saw this video, I wondered the same thing. What does this have to do with us, Lord? Or does this have anything to do with us? I, I thought it was really wild that Peter lives down there, only 45 minutes from there, and Peter's going to go there this week. And, and, and both Jeff and I said, okay, then we're expecting a bottle. <laughs> Overnight us a bottle. You know, but I, I'm thinking, Lord, what does this have to do with us? And, and, or does it even have to do with us? You know, or is it just something you're doing somewhere? And he always gives encouragement. And, and I didn't have an answer to that until this video was showing. And Bryn texted me something just now, just a few minutes ago. And it was something she had talked to me about a long time ago. And typical of me, I totally forgot. Thank the Lord for people like Bryn and my wife that remind me of things that I had talked about. She texted me and she said, now, if you remember, right, you remember he talked about Psalm 39 and that this began in Psalm 39. 
And Jesus told them it was about the 39 lashes that he took before he was hung on a cross. Well, Bryn texted me and she said, Remember when I asked you about the number 39? She said, It's our house number. And it's the number, the address number at Welsh Track Church, which I'll explain that in a second, in Newark. And by the way, Newark is on the 39th parallel. Okay, I don't know about you, but to me those are what we call confirmations. Those are not coincidences. You can coincidence yourself right into not believing. That's what the Pharisees did. That's what Jesus' hometown did when he went in there to do these miracles And they couldn't get past the fact that they knew him as a boy. Well, no, this can't be him because we didn't see him do it when he was younger. So what's changed in his life all of a sudden? And, And they literally coincidence themselves into not believing. I guarantee you, every person sitting here has had that opportunity before them. Have you coincidence to yourself in the not believing because Jesus just doesn't work that way anymore. That died with the apostles. That died when, when, when Jerusalem in AD 70 was trampled over and destroyed. That all died then. It, it'll, it'll pop up again sometime in, in the end time, but, but no, that's, that doesn't happen today. Have you coincidence to yourself? And I don't believe there are any here that have. But there are those online that are listening to this that have. That's a very dangerous place to be. Okay, well, I, I, I got to share this because there are no coincidences with God. See, the address to Welsh Track Church is the number 39. As Bryn so thankfully reminded me. <laughs> Okay, why does that have anything, what does Welsh Track Church have anything to do with us? It's because my 10th generation back grandfather, 300 years ago, he helped build that church that still stands, by the way. You could go look at it. By the way, I don't suggest walking on the grounds. In fact, I'm going to tell you don't walk on the grounds. Because of what's there. But you could see it. I've been on the grounds many times. But my 10th generation back grandfather, he was part of that church. His name is written in a log that he was part of that church. How in the world would I ever know that? Except that there was a point a couple of years ago where Jesus said, I want you to research your lineage. And he told me which direction to go. He said, go through your mother's mother. Actually, it was mother's mother's mother, I think. Because it was through Nanny. Sorry, we call her Nanny. She was old when I was a kid. Right, But we went through her and we start seeing these links. And, and I remember the first thing we found was, here's this guy named Rezin because it's a different name. Here's this guy named Rezin, and oh my goodness, he was born in Newcastle, Delaware. And this was in 1714, 304 years ago. 
So it's like, okay, well, let's start looking into this. Then we find out that his father and his grandfather came over from Wales at the same time William Penn did. And they were part of the Welsh tract. They owned land here in this. In fact, one of the, the areas of land that they own, or that he owned, my 10th generation back grandfather, is as near as we can tell, because lines weren't so good back then and records weren't so good. But we know that his, his land bordered what is now the canal. Now, I don't know if it's on the north end or the south end, but we live about a mile from the canal right now. So wherever it was, our land is, where I live right now, is close to where he lived 300 years ago. How insane is that? How insane is the fact that, that Rezin, his son, moved from Delaware, which I totally understand, (laughs) moved from Delaware, went down to South Carolina, and they planted churches down there and all that stuff. He was the last one to be in Delaware. Until me. And I used to, I used to, I did it teasingly, of course, but I used to tease God saying, Lord, why in the world? I've lived all over the country growing up. My dad was in the Marine Corps. We've lived all over. I stayed in, I lived in two of the most awesome states in the country, Southern California. If you're a surfer, you know what I'm talking about. That's where I learned to surf and skateboard. Back before skateboarding was cool. And in Colorado, where God has his vacation home. And, and of all things, God puts me in Delaware. Delaware. Where the, the largest mountain in Delaware is the landfill over on Cherry Island. It's not quite as pretty as Colorado. Couldn't understand why he'd bring me here. And we've been here, what, 20, 25 years? I don't know. No, longer than that. We've been here 28 years. So Lord, why? And then he began to show me. And then when this link came up, it was extraordinary. Because see, there's reason for it. There are no coincidences with God. And I'm not going to get into now what the reason is for. You will know soon enough. Because it will be displayed all over. But there's reason for it. If the Lord expects you to believe something simply because He said it, then trust Him and seek confirmation. With that oil, trust Him. Lord, I don't know how, I don't know why, but I know it's linked with us somehow. I trust you. Show me. Text from Bryn. Yeah, it's linked. Because that Welsh Track Church is connected with my 10th generation back grandfather. That number is connected with Bryn and Jeff's home. And Newark is, sits on the 39th parallel, which that didn't really mean anything to me until Melody came out here and she's explaining it to us. Like, like, this is a big deal. I'm like, don't even understand a word you're saying. <laughs> but I understand more now, don't I? 
right? I'll throw one more thing out there. There's something about Newark. And the Lord showed me that a few years ago when, when we were praying and be, because the, the Lord had said to me, Newark, Newark, not Newark, Newark. And by the way, if you ever talk to people that like have grown up there, it's not Newark. They will slap you. It's Newark. It's like it's two words. In fact, if you drive into coming into Main Street, you'll see this big sign that says N-E-W, separate word, A-R-K. They want to make it very clear they're not Newark. They are Newark. Okay? Well, the Lord had told me Newark, and I kept thinking... What does this have to do with Noah? <laughs> you know, new ark. New ark. Why do we need a new ark? You've promised that it's not going to rain. I suppose if it's fireproof, that might be good. Because that's how he's going to end the world this next time. Okay, but I, I didn't get it. And then we're praying. We're in a, in a prayer group and we're praying. And, and Ariel begins to pray and she says, Thank you, Lord, for your new ark of the covenant. And boom, my head explodes. This was the first time it had ever happened to me where literally the Lord began downloading. You ever see those, those ticker tape? I know this way old. This is before computers. I get it. But those ticker tape machines back when, when it used to be the trading floors and stuff and you see this and this paper just coming out, coming out and it's got all these numbers on it and all this information on it. That was my brain. I'm like, uh, and for, for a half an hour, it's just going nuts and, and all this stuff he's downloading me to me. And I, I'm like, I'm like, God, God, you, you gotta stop for a second. I gotta start recording something. Help me to remember. And so luckily he paused for enough time for me to hit record. And then he started all over again and I started speaking it out loud. For those that, you know what? Yeah, Lord, I will. For those of you who have not heard this, I want to share with you what our calling is here in Newark and why Newark is so important. See, one day, and I know I know this is online, and, and one day you'll see this, and forgive me, this isn't me, this is the Lord, because he and I have had conversations about this, but there is an owner of College Square. See, the Lord told us we'll be in College Square. In fact, we're going to own College Square. Yes, I am online. Yes, he'll hear this and whatever. <laughs> right? The Lord said, I want you in College Square. You're going to be in College Square. He gave me these. And by the way, we have talked to him and he said no. He said no three times. The Lord said he'll only say no three times. And I thought after that, we'll get in there. But no, the Lord switched us to something else. Right, But he gave me visions of College Square. He gave me a vision of a tower there. It was really more like a skyscraper, like a business building. Right, It wasn't just this little tower, but it was seven stories tall. Had a basement too, but the basement was more utility. But it was huge. I mean, the, the whole thing, uh, I, like, I don't know. I, I can picture size-wise. And I'm guessing it was probably about 60 to 70 feet square. 
seven stories high. Okay, Each story was a separate floor. There were seven floors. Each of those floors represented a place that we're called to in this world to build a base. Because we're called to seven places in the world, including New Ark. Right? But he said, this tower is to be for prayer. And that's all it's to be for. It's not a sanctuary. It's not a place where people are even going to be allowed, except if they're called. There will be strict security to even get in the building because the people that are called there, and whether she realizes it or not, Wendy knows this because she's in charge of this whole thing. Each floor is a floor of strategic warfare for that base, wherever it happens to be. He gave me a vision of this. First, I'm driving down whatever the opposite of Main Street is, is when you're coming back down. And, and I'm driving down, and all of a sudden I'm seeing through my, through my uh, windshield. windshield. Yeah, there you go. Seeing through my windshield just a different scene. And, and it, it, this was kind of an early on thing, so I wasn't really used to this, but, but it was as clear as I'm looking through the windshield at other things. I mean, praise God, he still allowed me to see the cars and stuff, so I'm driving, knowing where I'm driving. But what I saw in College Square was so clear. And literally, that road, if you take that road down, it goes into the middle of College Square. If you extend it, you would literally drive into this building. You'd hit it. And, he, and right up top, it had ignition on all four corners. But it was, a, it was a prayer tower. He told me in this download, he said, I want you to take a line, pull out a map, take a line. And in my mind, I'm pulling out this map, I'm, I'm laying this down. And, and he says, I want you to put your pencil right in the middle of that tower and then go out 30 miles. Hold the pen there. You got a string in my mind, in my vision, I've got a string tied to this pencil. And I'm out 30 miles. And he said, draw a circle. To where that tower is in the dead center. So you've got a 60 mile radius. He said, that's my base. Inside that base, there will be a cleansing. Inside that base, there will be a preparation for literally expanding through the entire area. And he's going to do that with each of those seven places. So see, do you see what I'm saying? This idea of... The reason all all just blew up in my mind when Ariel prayed that was, that's exactly what the Ark of the Covenant did. It was the power of God that went before the army. I'm not saying he's only doing that with us. I know he is, we have a unique place in the bride, I know that. But I'm saying that is what he is doing with us. And what he's preparing for are things that are going to be, there's going to be a flashpoint in your life. Am I going to believe this or am I not? And am I going to talk myself out of believing this? I want you to turn 
to Genesis chapter 22. And the scripture he gave me, we're going to just go through this really quick, because honestly, this, this is just such a simple concept. It's believing when it's truly unbelievable. You know, but, but this scripture that he gave me, this isn't unbelievable from a standpoint of, well, that can't happen, because it can easily happen in this case. This was from a standpoint of, do you trust me? Verse 1, chapter 22. After these things, God tested Abraham and said, now remember, God had already told Abraham, you're going to have a son, and you're going to have a lineage that will be uncountable. It'll be bigger than the stars. It'll be greater than the, the sand on the, on the seashore. So, so that's what, what Abraham's thought process has been. And he waited 25 years until he was 100 years old. 25 years to finally get this son that, that was going to be exactly what God wanted. And then God goes and he, he pulls something pretty rough on Abraham. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac. By the way, the reference there is because he was the only one that would carry on God's people. Right? That, they came out of, and not Ishmael, his other brother. Because that was done out of the flesh. That was Abraham's decision, not God's. Take your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Ask yourself a question. How would you react if the Lord told you that? Now let me, let me set something up for you first. Don't assume that the Lord speaks any differently to Abraham than he will to us. See, God didn't come down and say, I am God and you will believe me and, and just trust me. See, it required faith on Abraham's part. Now, I have no doubt Abraham knew it was the Lord. Okay, I'm, I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is Abraham was not coddled. He was simply told. And God expected trust and obedience. Verse 3, So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him, and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. I think it's extraordinary. The, the, the Bible says later on that literally in Abraham's thinking, Isaac, because of his obedience, became dead to him. See, I kind of think that that trip that three-day trip was a tough trip. 
Even though Abraham had absolute faith in God's promise, this came against his very promise. Doesn't make sense. God, you said that, that through him all this will happen. Your chosen people will be numbered amongst the stars of the sky, the sand of the seashore. But yet you're telling me to do something that would end all that. It's hard to say what was in Abraham's mind, except for the fact that we see what he did. His actions displayed his faith. By the way, if you read Hebrews 11, it said that his faith never failed. In fact, it says that his faith grew. And that was even up until, it's talking about in Hebrews 11, up until he had Isaac. He had faith that even though he's 100 years old, God's word is faithful. You know, and his wife was 90. But God's word is faithful. He said his faith grew. So imagine, after waiting 25 years and full of faith, and God then provides, and, and even though you tried to mess it up and, and, and do things on your own and had Ishmael, but now God provides this precious son. And then years later, he says, I want you to sacrifice him. Give him to me. And, wow. You know, it's, it's not like you, you know, now, okay, you know, maybe, maybe give him, give him the sleeping gas first so he won't feel anything. No. No. He binds him up to then sacrifice him and then burn him. Think about the mind that Abraham had to have. The faith that he had to have. Would we believe? Would we trust if something didn't make sense? If if it went literally against, or we thought it went against what God has promised? Would we believe? Verse 4, on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to the young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. Do you notice his faith? He didn't know how it was going to happen. But he said, you guys wait here. We will be right back. Now, I truly believe that Abraham figured that even if I have to go through and sacrifice my son, he will be raised from the dead. See, Abraham didn't believe that God was going to start all over again. Sacrifice your son, I want to make sure that you're ready, and then we'll start again. We'll, we'll, we'll let you have another son. I'm fully in belief that Abraham knew, no matter how it had to happen, his son was going to be fine within a certain time period. But I'll guarantee him walking up that mountain, he didn't know how it would play out. That's a tough place to be. But often we find ourselves 
in that place. As a church, we find ourselves in that place right now. See, we know, and I know this is going to sound insane. I don't talk about this very often to those who can hear it online, but whatever. Get used to it. I know that there is a very specific destroyer that is written about in Revelation 9 verse 11 who comes from the abyss who is not in the abyss now but will be because we are called to do that very thing to go to war with him we have done this now I mean we've been fighting this for a year and a half so we face this right now see the Lord's told us that he'll be bound. This is the destroyer that is over this country. That has had control of this country up until December 28th of last year, about eight months ago. I want to encourage you, go look at the history of the last eight months and see how much this country's changed. Now, he's, he's not bound He's not gone, but he was stripped of his strength. But yet, we can believe because the Lord has told us that he will be bound, he will be cast, he has to be, because in in the tribulation, he's got to come from there. But see, we're at a place to believe that or not. Do we believe that as a church? Well, that sounds insane. I agree. And those watching this online or listening to the podcast later, I fully embrace and understand that feeling. There are so many naysayers that will say that the moment they hear this. And perhaps even already are. I'm okay with that. Because if it didn't happen, what's the worst that could be said of me? That I love the Lord and I go after Him with everything I am and I don't care what I look like. But what happens when it happens? Because I could tell you that this won't be a silent thing. I've shared it before and, and I don't, the Lord's going to have me declare it again in a certain way. I, I'm not exactly sure how that's going to play out, but, but there is going to be a sign of this happening. The Washington Monument will physically come down and it will not be rebuilt. It will crumble. It will expose a saying that's in the foundation there. Why? Because that's his seat of power. Are you going to believe what God has for your life even though the circumstances don't look like that? Or the circumstances are insane? Or you'll be ridiculed? Or you'll be hated? Or perhaps imagine 
in the life of Paul or Peter or John or any of those, any of the apostles where they faced life and death, how would you react then? What if the Lord told you to do something and you knew the penalty of that? Let's say you were in a country that didn't allow you to speak about Christ. And and the Lord tells you, and you know it's the Lord, by the way. Not that, oh, I kind of got this feeling, so I'm going to just dive in. No, the Lord will always give you confirmations of things he has you do. But let's say you know the Lord wanted you to go and begin preaching in a mosque in Iran. I mean, typical person's probably not going to last very long there, right? And forget what the government would do to you. The people will rip you apart. But would you do it? Would you do it trusting him no matter what in your future? Whether your future would end right then and then you're with Christ or whether he would step in. See, that's where Abraham was at. He didn't know how God was going to do it. He just knew God was faithful. He knew God was faithful. And God was going to fulfill his promises. Anytime we see something, and the Lord has laid this on my heart so heavy, we're going to see miracles. And absolute miracles that will blow your mind. Miracles that, I know for me, I've never seen. Has anybody seen Somebody raised from the dead? I haven't. I've read about it. I've heard testimony of it. But I've never seen it. Even in those, I've only heard of it right away. Where somebody was dead for, you know, I think the longest one I heard of out of Heidi Baker was uh, a day. Never heard of somebody being raised from the dead after being embalmed. But I can tell you the Lord's told me we're going to see it. But are you going to believe it? Are you going to believe that he can do it? it what what the, he said on the video was so true. He said, he said, it's not about the oil. It's about, do you believe that I can do it? Do you believe that that's me? That's all Jesus is saying is, do you believe that he wants to work in your life? Do you believe that he wants to do something extraordinary in your life? Or do you just sit there and feel, well, yeah, I'm, I'm one of many here. I just kind of blend into the crowd. You know, Jesus has never really... Yeah, I, I can't imagine he would have something extraordinary and, and just this groundbreaking thing that he would use me for. I have one question for you. Why not? Why do you think he wouldn't? Because you're quiet? Because you... You don't typically see yourself in situations where you're out in front of people and you're kind of a center of attention. 
Or maybe your faith hasn't been tested that hard. I can tell you, get ready. Because if you're here, good luck with hiding from that. It's not going to happen. Because you're here for a reason. You're here for a purpose. That purpose may not be revealed to you yet, but it will be. And you'll have a choice. You'll have a choice to say, yes, Lord, my life is yours, period. I trust you in whatever. Uh, all I need to know, Lord, is that it's you. And that's what I've said to him a thousand times. I said, I will do literally anything you want, Lord. I'll stand up here and, and I'll say these insane things in, into the camera that the world has access to with no shame. No problem. I'm already married and she has to stick with me anyways. So. <laughs> but Lord, I'll do that. I'll stand up in, here and I'll proclaim that the Washington Monument's going to come down. Now the weird thing, I, I, this isn't confirmed at all, but the weird thing is I, I feel like what he's waiting on is he's going to tell me the day and I'm to proclaim the day which that kind of goes against everything that I tell everybody. <laughs> that God doesn't give us time frames. Will you be a fool for the Lord if you know it's him? That's what I told him. Lord, I'll do anything. I'll do anything if I know it's you asking me to do it. Why? Because I could trust him. Because I know he loves me way more than I love myself. He loves me more than anybody could love me. And he's already exhibited that on the cross. He gave his life on the cross for me. If the entire world wasn't here and it was just me, he would have given his life for just me. So because of that, all I have to know is that it's him. Now, that is a process. But don't shy away from that process. If he lays something on your heart, don't bury it because it's scary. Now, don't act on it until you know for sure. But I can promise you, as you build relationship with him, his voice will become more and more sure. He says, we're his sheep, and we learn his voice. When we know his voice, we know his voice. And, and I could, I, I don't know how to tell you how that happened. I mean, honestly, the best, the best message I have ever heard on hearing the voice of God was the one Jeff preached a few weeks ago. And, and I would really encourage you, go listen to that ten times. Because that's a key to you building relationship with him. you got to know his voice. But I can tell you in my own life how it started out were confirmations, confirmations, this, that. And, and then it began to build as I, as I knew his voice. It began to build where I could trust it. And I know it's him. And, and then on the big things, okay, I still need some confirmation, Lord. Right? But then it got to be, okay, well, the big things, I, I know that's your voice. 
See, it's a, it's a progression. That's why it's about relationship. It's not about, boom, you get a gift, now you get to hear my voice. I give you the gift of voice hearing. Boom, there you go. Your life will be different from now on. You will know everything I say. Wow, if that's the case, then what, what's God get out of it? Do you know one of the most amazing parts of having a close relationship with anyone is the building process? Right? Those of you who, who are married and have built that relationship, you know what I'm talking about. It goes through all these different kinds of stages. Right? Well, man, I really, I really like her. I wonder if she likes me. Of course, in my case, it's, boy, I really like her. I'm going to marry her. Why does she like my friend? She, she, she's more interested in my best friend. Okay, Lord, we've got to get rid of him. That's a long story, but I did get rid of him. Say hi to him, Lord. No, I'm kidding. He's still alive. Even though I wanted to kill him. By the way, guys, okay, this is still a rule and a law. Okay, I don't mean to sidetrack here, but this is important. If you have a friend that's a guy, now I don't know if girls are the same way. I I can't answer for that one. But if you have a friend that's a guy and you both like the same girl, you have the guy discussion, right? That's what I did with this guy. So, hey, you know, I like her. But if you're interested, I'll back off. That's exactly what I said to him. Of course, in my mind, I'm thinking, she's going to be my wife, so you're wasting your time. He says to me, he says, no, you go ahead. Now, I I don't know, am, am I just stupid, or is that a green light? That's a green light. That's a guy code. That means you back off. And, of course, then I find out, and she had no idea, but they're They're dating. They go out a few times, and I'm like, what? So needless to say, he and I weren't friends after that. He broke the guy code. Sorry, that was really a rabbit trail, wasn't it? I I can't guarantee that was from the Lord, okay? However, keep the code, guys. Keep the code. But the point is that Part of the process of building that relationship is the joy in it. See, it's the joy when you think Jesus has told you something, He's laid something on your heart, and then the process of Him proving that out. That's what brings you close. That's fun. I mean, there's angst to it. Don't get me wrong. Lord, I want to know, I want to know, I want to know. Oh. Oh, wow, okay. Why am I in Delaware? Why am I in Delaware? Oh, that's why. (laughs) Right? The more you build relationship with Him, the closer and more you'll understand His voice. But don't negate the process. Because the process is what He gets out of it. He gets the faith. Hebrews 11, that's what pleases Him. The faith in building relationship with Him. He promises to talk to you. He promises to tell you. But you got to trust Him in that process. At whatever level you're at. And, you know, when you're just beginning the process, understand it's going to be baby steps. 
You know, he, he's not going to take a person who just gets saved, never heard the voice of the Lord and say, go sacrifice your son. See, he's not going to do that. Why? Because Abraham, Abraham had had a lifetime of building a relationship with him. Abraham knew his voice. So much so that the moment he said that, that he told him to do that, he knew that the outcome would be fine. So, are you going to believe? Are you going to believe when that line is drawn in the sand before you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we worship you and praise you, God. We thank you, Lord, that you desire relationship with us. But more than that, Father, you facilitate it. You give us opportunities, Lord, to trust you. To learn that it is even you. And so God, I pray this morning in each heart here, wherever they are in their relationship with you, that you instill in them this morning a new level of trust, a new level of faith that they've not experienced before. Father, I am confident with what you're about to do in our lives, in this church, I'm confident that you have prepared each of us. Help us to trust. Help us to believe. Help us not to falter. Because you are awesome. And you can be completely trusted. We worship you, Lord, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Just um, a moment. Um, and no, I'm not going to comment on the relationship stuff. So, um, one I am going to comment on, though, is when the, the only thing I felt like the Holy Spirit just impressed on me with some of the overview of what God's doing in ignition and what God has spoken over this ministry and what this means, you know, your view is from your own life and what God's doing in your life. And one of the things that will, that helps a person be in proximity to what some people call crazy is how much they know God for themselves. You know, there's a lot of people when they come to a church and there are things said that are seem a little out there with what they believe God is showing them. You know, not everybody knows, uh, you know, God God reveals um, when we seek him in, in areas, he'll reveal, you know, the direction of the church. But obviously he sometimes reveals aspects of the direction of the church to the leadership. And then as we share it, you get confirmation. But you really have to know who God is personally in your own life yeah. to be able to even get the confirmation of some of the outlandish things that you heard this morning. And, and for most of us, that's none of the things he said are new. But um, but I know that that is what causes people to back up and go, okay, I know who God is for me, but I don't know that I want to be in proximity to some of that crazy. It's so funny. I, I did not know that that was 
the theme of what he had this morning, and yet God gave me the exact same theme for the class, and he didn't know anything that I was going to say in terms of, are you going to believe when things don't make sense? Um, but God will show you. It gets me excited, you know, on the on the the front side, the before side of something enormous that God reveals. It, it that's always your point of decision. Um, there will be those, you know, that are like Thomas, that are like, okay, I, I got to I got to touch, feel, see, and then I'll decide if I'm going to believe. But you know, blessed, Jesus said, are those who believe who have not seen. And so now is our opportunity to believe, not just believe a guy talking about things that he's seen in his own personal vision, but believe that, Lord, is this where you have me because this is what you're really doing in ignition? That's something he'll show you. He doesn't, it's not about deciding to believe a, a nice guy who you may like and, yeah, he's a good leader and, you know, that that's human reasoning. That's reckoning it with your mind. But like, like he said, God speaks to the heart. So I hope that you'll go to the Lord with any aspect of this. And, um, and again, it may not apply to those present, but we have ignition church online and people that are with us online. And there are, there are questions that come and don't hesitate to ask any questions because, um, there's nobody humanly that has tested him more than his wife with certain things. And, and I remember saying to the Lord, Lord, I will follow him. I will submit. I will, I will be the godly wife. But if you want my heart in this ministry, you got to show me. You got to speak to me. It's, he's got to give, he's got to give me those pictures. And he doesn't give me full understanding of everything in each step, but he has given me that peace and that confirmation that even things I don't understand um, and that are going to be hard to believe he he will do. And so um, I do hope that you'll, again, seek your own relationship with the Lord. Don't ride on the coattails of anybody else's relationship. Even if you're the type of person that is a thrill seeker and you're like, cool, I'm going to stay with this just to see if all this stuff comes true. That That's not what God wants. God wants to show you your life. He wants to show you your part in in the bride and in the body of Christ as pertains to what's going on. God led you to ignition. There's no coincidence those he led in ignition to ignition, um, and those that he will lead in, to ignition and to um, the ministries um, that he has you a part of, that's not by accident. So, um, so I, I again, I, I fully agree. Go back and listen to Jeff's message. And then some of these other things, there will be some declarations that will be made that are scary. Greg warned me. He said, you know, the Lord's going to have me in this line drawn in the sand. He's going to have me speak out. I remember when he did that with me before the election, had me speak out to a couple people in my family um, when it was really looking like, like, just like humanly speaking, the odds were, as we all know, were totally against Trump. I mean, it was just like, it was, and now it's funny. There are clips of people just laughing about the absurdity that this businessman, egotistical maniac person could ever be our president. And, you know, we got to watch the magical, supernatural shift take place that night, that Tuesday night. And, um, and it was a wonderful opportunity. And I had a couple people call me and say, I believe you. I believed, I believe the, 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 the prophecy now. They said, I, I, I don't understand what's happening, but you spoke truth. And, um, I didn't get that before it happened, but but I remember thinking, man, I'm stepping, stepping out on a limb even saying it. So God has, has called Greg to say certain things beforehand, not for him, 
not for anything to have to do with him, but to show that God is doing something and God is manifesting himself and he's giving us an opportunity to believe. And it really is just like that Bible um, leaking oil. It's not about the oil. It's not about the wow. It's are we willing to see before our very eyes that God is here? Yes. He is manifesting his presence. He's done so many things. And, and if you open your eyes to it, he is manifesting to your life individually. Unfortunately, the only things that seem to be real to us are the people that we get to talk to and the interaction we have in our phones. That's what captivates us. We need to step back from that sometimes and say, God, what are you doing that I'm missing? There are things you are doing in the unseen realm and orchestrating in my life that if I can see it, I will be blown away. And I don't care how uneventful your life may be. He is doing something extraordinary in your life, but you've got to be able to see it. The Messiah was among those people in the form of Jesus. And just because it wasn't revealed when he was a kid, they rejected him. It can't be you because we knew you humanly. And so some of the things that are happening now will reason the same way. And, you know, this can't happen because of this or that. Or, but just say, God, show me. Give me spiritual eyes. Give me eyes to... To see, and just like um, he says in, in the word, you know, let, let him, the ear, if you have ears to hear, let him hear what the Lord is saying to the churches. We need to ask him for, for the eyes that are not limited humanly, but spiritually. And, uh, and I hope that you will, because we are in exciting times. I, I'm, I'm almost breathless when I, I, I can't handle the, the glimpses he gives me of what's about to take place. It's, it's overwhelming because it's so far outside of my humanity. You know, we, we have finite minds. They're limited. God is doing things that are infinitely so extraordinary that, that it's just, it, it just takes your breath away. And uh, I hope that you have that excitement, but ask God to give you that sense of it. But you know, you got to come, you got to step away from the things that entangle you in this life. And we're all super busy. In fact, some of you are really stressed like I would be that when you're according to a clock, we are like way over. Oh my word, my stomach's growling. Stop talking. I need to go. I need to live my life and eat my food and meet my appointments. I understand that. And that is a normal human reaction. But in your life, starting today, say, God, pull me out of that for a minute. Give me a glimpse, just a glimpse of what you're doing. Things that are so important and that we stress out about so much are just so nothing. In fact, they're in the way of us seeing what God really is doing. And nobody gets stressed about appointments probably more than me. But God has taken me above all that muck and saying, I want to do something so beyond, so powerful. Will you not see it? Will you not hear? And uh, I, I'm excited. I hope that you're excited. Tonight's prayer call, very important. Um, there is a, a, a meeting taking